Okay, can you introduce yourself for the audience, please? Yeah, um, so my name is Tad Retz, um, Tad with an A. <laughs> a lot of people think it's Tad with an E, but um, so I'm, I'm 26 years old. I've been painting ever since um, high school, uh, the end of high school. I started kind of like the senior year. Um, my brother was kind of the one that got me into it. I knew I wanted to do something art related, but I wasn't sure what route to go on because I like doing everything, uh, sculpture, ceramics, uh, painting, drawing, everything. And um, so he was getting into the, the animation industry. And um, so he kind of, um, we took some of the same online classes together and he kind of steered me in the right path for uh, what to do to get better at painting, how to like learn. And um, so, yeah, I started painting uh, digitally first and um, eventually took that outside to get better color and value knowledge um, on location. And um, just to make my digital art better was my initial idea, but or my initial plan, um, but I fell in love with painting outside and painting with real paint. Um, at the end of the day, having a little a little stack of actual paintings was really, um, I don't know, really enjoyable to me. I've always liked being able to hold something that I create. Um, so that felt right. And um, from that point on, I just, I started painting a ton, uh, traditionally in acrylic, gouache, oil, um, and yeah, so that's kind of how I got started. And um, over the past few years, it's slowly become um, sustainable. I've been able to make an income with it. So um, that's my full-time job now. <laughs> Fabulous. And that must be a most amazing feeling um, to have that. And you're, you're still relatively young to, to get to that stage. I mean, yeah, I, I'm 45 now and it took me, you know, I mean, I've been professional for around 10 years or so, but it, wow. it takes, you know, it takes a long time and um, it's, it's the most exhilarating feeling sometimes when you wake up and you think this is my job, yeah. doing what I enjoy doing. Um, so looking, looking at your style, and I'm going to ask you, first of all, that I mean, you're multi-talented, so I'm looking at the, the art equipment that you also make as well. Um, yeah. When do you find the time to do that? Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I started doing that um, three, oh, it's probably four years ago, around there. And um, that was kind of right before I, I was looking for another, um, I have like a few different avenues um I, like I do some tutorials online with um Gumroad and also my website but um and then and then the easels and then painting and um there's other painting or um yeah painting equipment along with the easels and then workshops every once in a while during the year I was trying to find all the all I was trying to exhaust all the options to try to make it sustainable yeah. so the easels was an idea that I came up with with my dad um, and because he's really good at work woodworking and um, so we slowly developed that and um, along while I was painting for galleries and stuff and just trying to learn 
at the at least at the start and um so we kind of came up with that idea kind of put it up there on the site just to see what would happen um that's kind of my mindset with everything i'll just try this thing and see what happens and um so we did that and it it actually and that's when they were originally made out of cigar boxes um taking old cigar boxes and repurposing them basically and it ended up um having a really good um uh, the response was really good, um, so we just kept making them, and eventually we couldn't find enough cigar boxes anymore, so we started building them completely from hand, um, or by hand, the box and everything, and um, so that has slowly evolved into like a whole nother business in mm-hmm. a way, um, to the point where I can't um, spend my time doing that, because it's no. it's like a whole nother um, battle, uh, make building those, so I... I've kind of just handed that over to my dad. My dad just retired and um, that's kind of his business now. Perfect. And um, like, it's still under my name on my website and everything, but I, I basically pay him to, to build them. Um, so I can spend my time painting and teaching, teaching a little bit, but it's, it's mostly painting. That's what I really want to do. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to lose any fingers or anything on the table. No, side. Absolutely. And, so much of it about it's very interesting you saying then um that, that you have these sort of multiple plates spinning at yeah. once um and i'm very much the same so i teach as well and do this podcast and do all of these different things so you're always looking for that way to make it sustainable for what you want to do mostly which is create paintings but to have that to have that backup in a sense or or that um, framework where you don't then wake up hungry and think I've got to paint a painting today to sell you know, it's, yeah. it's sort of you, you afford yourself a little bit of that luxury in a sense or security that with your art you can create what you want to create rather than just for commercial purposes yeah it definitely definitely frees frees me up my personality and the way I was raised I think it's helpful for me I'm sure it's different for other people I know there's other artists out there that have to dive in completely into it sacrifice everything um or uh, there's people that need to have a full-time job and then do the art on the side to make to feel right in their head um but for me I I knew I wanted to do the painting, but I wanted to kind of have these little things on the side where they would kind of balance each other out when, say, uh, gallery sales are down, kind of, I mean, we're almost still in it. Like at the beginning of the year, um, galleries galleries are a little, they they typically, at least in my case, um, seem to be a little slow on sales. People are um thinking about the tax season and everything not buying as much so when that happens I generally um do all right with the easel sales and if for some reason the easel sales are down um Mm -hmm. people are buying my tutorials on Gumroad so they all kind of balance each other out um throughout the year and really kind of free me up to just do purely what I feel like doing in the moment yeah do you set yourself hours for you know, going into the studio and doing certain things because it's a lot to manage in that, you know, time of day that you have available. 
Uh, would you say, what are my hours? Do you kind of set yourself hours? Do you kind oh, of yeah, say yeah. from the, you know, 10 a.m. or something, I'm going to be in the, or earlier, I'm going to be in the studio or whatever? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I basically start painting or packing stuff up and shipping or whatever I need to do for that day. Um, yeah, like you said, right around 10. Um, I'm not a morning person. I kind of, I stay up super late and then I wake up. I don't know, not um, late, but I don't wake up early. And um, and I take a little while to wake up. So I, I end up start feeling like working around uh, nine or 10. And then pretty much I, I, um, I paint or work on things that I need to work on, updating my website, stuff like that, um, running to the post office um, until like, mid-afternoon three or four ish and um by that time um so my studio has a lot of windows um and the, the bad part is they all face south so I get <laughs> I get a lot of like um if it if the sun is out um especially in the late afternoon I get like the really heavy sun coming in so that's kind of forced me to work at certain times of the day are better than others. So by the late afternoon, um, if the sun is out, um, it'll come in and kind of mess up the lighting in here, even though I pull the blinds and turn on my, my LED lighting. Um, so that is kind of basically why I work that way. I think um, it's kind of just evolved that way. And then I'll, I'll go take a break. I'll get out, go for a bike ride. Um, I don't know, go, skiing or something um visit my visit my parents friends whatever come back later in the night um and I'll try to a lot of times I'll try to get a little like a couple more hours depending on what projects I'm working on if I'm really inspired really working on some big paintings or whatever and I just can't um get myself to step away from them I, I'll maybe work three hours in the evening until 9 10 11 at night um, but sometimes I'll, I'll come back, uh, eight or nine, um, and I'll, and I'll just watch something on Netflix or whatever, or YouTube, um, to wind down the night and, uh, I won't do any more, but yes. Yeah, so like basically the, the hardest work is happening, like in the middle of the day, almost like 10 to 10 to four in a way. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, um, you were saying about working plein air. Um, do what kind of percentage is your work right now? What percentage is studio based? Yeah, um, it's it's um, almost a hundred percent studio now. Um, yeah, I yeah. I don't really like the plain air stuff. Was great at the beginning, the first five or six years to um, really like I was painting every single day outside um doing multiple paintings a day mm -hmm. and that really trained my eye and my brain to know um uh, how natural light works and um I don't know I I painted all sorts of different lighting situations I traveled a lot I saw a lot of different areas of the country and all that kind of just stacked on itself um this yeah. mental library and now I can think back on that when I'm in the studio and I have um I'm always taking reference photos and I can look at those 
and um, kind of look at a photo, but then put it through the filter of what I know of how light actually is. And I can add atmosphere, um, stuff like that. And I, I use Photoshop a lot. So I'll, I'll take multiple reference photos. I'll, I don't know, for example, a cityscape or something. I'll take a car from one photo, put it in another mm -hmm. photo to make the composition better. Um, things like that, or I'll add shapes or change values. That's so that's so interesting that um, you know, in a sense, because I I tend to be almost a hundred percent studio painted. I even know I paint landscapes and skies mostly, um, and I, th I think a lot of it is like you were saying that after some time you learn to absorb a lot of what you're um, experiencing and to actually an artist's memory be can become such a powerful thing. The more you tune it, the better it becomes, especially when it comes to things like light and atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that as well, that over time, your, your sense of seeing things and your sense of the memory um, becomes a much more powerful tool and you can go somewhere and have an experience. You can see a certain landscape or the way the light hits a tree or the, and that almost, not freeze in your mind, but become a resource which you can tap into. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'll, I'll def that definitely happens, but I'm, I do take a lot of reference photos and I'll yeah. kind of look at those to kind of aid the imagination, to kind of aid yeah. the, um, the uh the memory um so a lot of times people ask and it's just it's easiest and um it, it is honest but it's easiest to just say oh I painted this from imagination so I don't have to like go through and explain how like I'm looking at photos but I'm changing so much like I have like five photos showing or maybe just one but I'm I'm just taking little bits and pieces and kind of composing them um the way um I don't know in in a way it's like I'm composing it in a way where those eight, eight, nine years of experience has trained me to see compositions and to see light, see color. So I'm looking at that photo just for um, some information from it. Like, yeah. I don't know, say if it's a snow scene, I'm looking, um, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm seeing like a couple things that are happening in the trees that I like, or maybe a couple like footprints in the snow. And then the rest mm -hmm. is, um, the, uh, the uh, memory aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, I love your style because it's so painterly. You've got that painterly approach and that physicality of, of paint, of it being um, you know, something that you, again, fusing that, the image you have that what you want to paint with a bit of that memory, but also that, that physical presence of the paint. Have you always painted in an impasto type way? Um, no, um, I would say though that I've always been very energetic in my paintings. Yeah. Um, I've always loved that painterly look. Uh, my favorite paintings have always been very, um, very, I don't know, loose and they just have that painterly look. Painterly is kind of a hard word um to define but it's yeah it's loose but it's accurate um I've always liked that look and I've always mm -hmm. been trying to get that in my own paintings um I started out um 
with that with that same kind of look the the very loose painterly look but it was very um thin um mm. and washy lots of thin washes and i'd kind of put a wash down and just let it leave it um and it was good and bad to do that um i would do that and then kind of like fall in love with the way the paint kind of dried on the panel or whatever and i wouldn't want to touch it so i left it and then i do another thin wash um, next to it and so on and so on until the painting's done. Um, but lately, the past few years, I've I've been learning a lot from C.W. Mundy. Um, he's an amazing, super well-established artist from Indiana. And um, he, seeing how he works and hearing his thought process, the, the biggest thing for me, I think, was seeing how thick he works and the way he just corrects things so quickly. He doesn't care how awesome that the passage of paint was underneath. If something has to happen to make the painting better, he'll just yeah. correct it, even if it's um, paint that's um, half an inch thick. Um, and that that was just that see, uh, noticing that at the time in my experience and the time in my at the time in my career was um, just so important because that's what, exactly what I need to see is how important it is to just um, almost in a way haphazardly plant, putting the paint down yeah. to correct things so quickly um, yes. just to get to um, a more, um, I don't know, you don't want to stop until you have the best painting possible. Um, and that's what I was, that was my issue. <laughs> Yeah, and not to be so precious about yeah. those certain things, you know, if you like something and um, you don't want to cover it up, but sometimes it needs covering up. Um, and I guess it is those little breakthrough moments where you see it and it just sort of pushes your work to that next level. Something just sort of clicks and, mm -hmm. and it goes forward. So looking as well with your work, your acrylic, your use of acrylic is very similar to your use of oil. And looking for your Instagram, um, I often can't tell the difference between the two when you're using them. And that is a real skill um, to, to have because of the drying time, obviously, of the acrylic, especially working in an impasto way. Which medium do you prefer out of? oil and acrylic um i i like oil i feel like is um uh i don't know i i always kind of fall back to oil or i always end up coming back to it i want to spend a lot of time in it because i just feel like um you you walk into a museum and that's what everything is and um there's like this big pressure to do a, an amazing masterpiece in oil and I just I just love um the challenge of it the the possibilities are so I know I don't know there's a lot of possibilities with gouache watercolor acrylic but then with oil because of the dry time you um have all those possibilities times 10 I feel like um and all the different mediums the different surfaces um, I just feel like there's the biggest challenge with it. Um, and I think that's why I always kind of want to be experimenting with it. But then when I paint with it for so long, um, I don't know, it depends on the time in my life, but sometimes I'll, I'll paint in oil for 
um, a few weeks or maybe it's a few months or maybe it's a couple of years. And um, I eventually get into like these little ruts and I'm kind of feeling stuck and frustrated with it. I just feel like all my pains are starting to look very similar. So I'll, I'll put oil away and I'll, and I'll go back to acrylic or something for a couple of weeks. And mm -hmm. usually those acrylic paintings are um, to me, they're very um, new and good. And I like them because I'm, um, I'm out of my comfort zone all of a sudden. And I'm, I'm going back to basics. Like I'm just thinking, okay, value color edges. Um, and then, then from there I'll get sick of that and I'll go back to oil and then those yeah. paints oil end up being more pure. And, um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, 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 um, I don't overthink things anymore. I'm just mm -hmm. thinking about, um, making a decent painting, decent image. I understand. I understand that. I, I mean, I paint in oil and gouache and what I'll tend to do similar to you, you know, I'll get a bit bored of what I'm doing with oil but it becomes um you know too formulaic and then step over to gouache for a while and I find that there's a freshness in a way of approaching using that different medium again after a break that seems to sort of get something going again and that's normally how I deal with if I ever get any creative block is to yeah. either switch medium or just try something completely different. Yeah. Normally, normally sort of takes me away from that. Um, looking at some of your your more abstract works in that sense, you know, but are they still life paintings or are they abstractions of, of still life? Um. So uh, it, it depends on which one. Um, some, so some of them, they're completely just messing around, completely just mm -hmm. pushing paint in, in an interesting way over the course of a few weeks. Um, some of them are scenes that I um, kind of push the shape, um, the, the shapes in the scene um, kind of over the top. So it's super abstracted. And then um, some of them I'm experimenting a hundred percent and then I start to see something in it. So I kind of, um, I kind of start to reel it in a little bit, add a little bit of um, believability to the abstract scene, but I don't, I don't want it to become a realistic painting. So I, I still keep it very abstract, but I bring in like 10% of, yeah. uh, of uh, realism into it mm -hmm. just to kind of, finish it off in a way um, or finish it off to me at least but um, I'm so new to the abstract stuff it's just it's it's uh almost completely just messing around with paint just wasting yeah. paint just seeing what will happen yeah. um it's fun to have like a a 48 by 48 abstract sitting in the corner it just I don't know there's something about it it, it changes mm -hmm. the mood of the room mm -hmm. and it's um it's almost like having wallpaper or something yeah. I don't know do you cool. find do you find um so I was teaching a, a class workshop this morning and normally painting landscapes you know um but every now and then I'll just get everybody to paint an abstract painting and I'll, I'll do a demonstration and I find it's a, like a different part of your brain you have to use when you're doing it because it's it's more sort of um like working out your next move, <laughs> so put a 
in a block of colour here and then looking at it, okay, what's next? You know, so put that there. And how do I balance that out? How do I contrast this? Do you find, in a sense, in talking about switching mediums or styles, do you find that in a painting abstract like that is a kind of a, it's a different way of thinking and working, but it's also quite a cathartic exercise as well? Um, it's weird. Like I'm, I'm so new to it. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I'm, um, it is a different type of painting where I do have to kind of switch gears and, um, like I, I look at composition design, um, a lot differently in the abstract stuff. Um, you can, the way you can arrange the shapes, um, can be really weird when you think of, like, if you tried to bring that type of um, shape design into a realistic painting. Um, or I don't know, for some people, I'm sure it's very natural, but for me, it's like, wow, this opens up a whole bunch of new possibilities mm. with, with realism. I can I can put this little shape in the corner down here and it yeah. works, like, or I can put yeah. this bright white shape right along the edge. Yeah. Like before I would always kind of, um, I don't know, you read all these rules and uh, you hear about these things you shouldn't, shouldn't do. And, um, and then with abstract, there, there's ways to make it work. Um, yeah. All the, like, no matter what it is, you can make it work. Um, so, so I'm like, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out is like, so mm. how can I get so, so far out of my comfort zone um, and learn these things and then circle back and bring them into my yeah. realistic work and then maybe eventually these abstract stuff will become um I don't know more of what I do um mm -hmm. and it'll be, I don't know maybe what I'm more of what I'm known for I don't know but I want to keep that open I don't want to be like just stuck in my ways with one type of painting I want to just try everything yeah like yeah. I think they feed and seeing the the one behind you there the one on the easel the cityscapes that you've been doing recently. Yeah. Those kind of abstract elements come into those. Um, and, and it's interesting to see that crossover, that sort of cross-pollination of it working together. So um, so your city ones, are, are they from New York? Um, uh, some of them are the most recent ones are from California, um, from, uh, some time I spent in LA, uh, about a month ago. <clears throat> yeah. I love the sense of flux and movement in them. And again, it's that painterly language that you can create that, that things have just got that slight sense of movement to slightly being unresolved in a way that doesn't mm -hmm. seem to change any minute. Yeah, it's cool. It was fun for me um, to try those because you 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 nailed it right there with the the movement. I that's a big part of how I paint, so I wanted to have that in the painting. But I also wanted to have some of my um, ab the abstract qualities I've been learning. I wanted to bring those yeah. in, so I had some more um, flatter, simple shapes of just flat color, flat value. Um, and those can be in kind of odd areas of the painting, um, but that kind of mixed with that extreme movement was kind of a, yeah. a pretty cool look that I didn't really know 
I wouldn't have known if I didn't take that trip out there and I didn't take a bunch of photos um, and then bring back that kind of just, it kind of happened on its own um, mm -hmm. just intuitively because of how I've been painting here and how I've been experimenting with the abstract stuff that kind of just all came together into these. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a cool little experiment. I did like uh, four or five of them and mm -hmm. I want to do more, but. Mm. Well, this, uh, your digital background helping form the way that you add texture to paintings, because surely with you having a, a background in digital painting, you've used texture brushes and have the ability to do layering and different opacities. Is that something which you've you've kind of taken over or you still go from one to the other where you think I'm going to try out this experimentation on, you know, on the computer first? Is that something you've ever done or? Um, yeah, I, I will, um, if I've got a pretty extreme idea for a painting, for a, for an oil painting or, or, or whatever type of painting, a traditional painting, um, um, I, if it's, um, if I like the painting where I, and then I get that big idea and then, um, I don't really want to take that huge risk. Um, I don't know. It's tough saying that because I always want to take a risk, but I'll, it's so easy for me to just uh, like, here's my, here's my easel and then here's my computer. So I'll just, I'll come over here really quick and just try it in Photoshop. Yeah. Um, and then when I do that, I'm like, okay, well, what happens if I do this? And what happens if I do this? I'll make new layers. Um, mm -hmm. And then if I, once I like something, um, I don't know, 90% of the time, I'll just, I'll just use that as the new reference and um, yeah. change the actual painting. But um, other times I'll, because it's so fresh, I'll do that idea and I'll like it, but then I usually have to, I don't know, I'll send it to my brother or I'll send it to CW or I've got a couple other groups of painters that I'll um, send images to and just say, okay, what do you think of this? Um, is this, um, am I just in love with it because it's new or do you think I should make these changes? So yeah, I'm always, I, that's always um, just another tool that I have um, that I, that's available and I'm um open to using it whenever whenever possible um but yeah like the the big thing I think for me with Photoshop lately is um using it to create like I'll I'll find an image online or I'll find one of my reference photos and then I'll I'll mess with it in Photoshop until it it starts to look like a painting um I'll I'll mess with edges or change values or whatever and I'll I'll, I'll turn it into my own reference and then I'll paint it. Um, that's, that I think is um, some of the biggest, um, or one of the, the biggest helps to me is being able mm -hmm. to do that. Has there ever been a crossover point as well? Cause I don't know if you've heard that James Gurney has spoken about how he did background paintings for Fire and Ice for uh, Ralph Bakshi film, Fire and Ice. And has there ever, has that ever happened with your, Brother, have you ever been, you know, commissioned to? No, you've never. never no, I, I'm, I'm open to it. I would, I would, um, I would do something in the in that industry at some point, but um, I, it would have to be like I'm lucky to have Zach, my brother, um, in that industry, and he's got his own studio now, and he's he's taking on, um, or his studio is taking on. Um, jobs and so he could potentially hire me at some point to do something and 
very fortunate for that because um, he would, I know him and I know myself and I know he would only want to hire me for something if he knew it would be completely enjoyable for me to do. Um, Cause I, I, I've got a lot of friends in the, um, in that entertainment industry, that animation world. And it's, I hear all the, I hear all the stories and the, 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 the bad parts of the industry and everything. And it's, um, it's hard for me to want to enter into that when I hear all that, because I have like the ultimate freedom here in my studio with being able to do what I want. Um, But I'm, I'm open to it. If, um, if the opportunity was right and it could be um, really enjoyable, like um, the, the idea came up one time for um, if Zach wanted me to, um do some like initial um paint paintings uh sketches for just like an idea for a scene or um like a sequence of scenes just kind of doing these quick little kind of concepts yeah like very quick concepts um that would be fun where where it's just kind of very open and very uh um that would be fun to do and it'd be fun to do them in um in oil or something and kind of bring that uh look and then they could take photos of them and crop them differently or whatever, stretch and pull things in Photoshop. Yeah. It opens it up to potential, you know, archival work being exhibited for, you know, uh, after the success of a, of a film or whatever the animated work is, things like mm-hmm. that are so precious to have physical copies of things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I was just curious because I, I do work with my brother. My older brother is, uh, he does a lot of mural artwork and then when he promotes it, he gets me to do the editing because he knows that that's the side of it that I can do quite easily and happily and uh, and it can complement each other because you have a rhythm with your family where you know this is what they're after and this is what their tastes are and their sensibilities lean in this direction so uh, yeah it'd be, uh, it'd be curious to see if that ever goes in that direction because it's kind of exciting to to kind of test yourself in those ways sometimes. Yeah yeah. So I can see behind you, Ted, and I was looking, it's a painting you've done of a boat, a ship, and I think I can, a sailing boat, and I can see it behind you. Right here? Yes. Yeah, that's it, yes, yeah. And it's so interesting looking at it because it it looks like it could have been painted, you know, 100, 150 (laughs) years ago. It's got this, it's got this lovely kind of traditional marine art style, but it's got this lovely contemporary, fresh um, use of paint as well. Um, and I, I do see that in, in your work that you, you know, you're able to bring, sort of have this conversation with art history in a way. And, and how important is art history to your process? I mean, who are you influenced by? Um, any schools, any favorite artists? Um, I'm inspired by a lot of art. Uh, <laughs> like I, most recently, I'm I I. It's cool that you notice that because I'm definitely after that old look. That look yeah. that, um, like when a painting appears to be uh very old or it has that timeless look in mm-hmm. a way. I really like that. Um, and I feel like what it comes down to for me is kind of having a painting that looks a little dirty, a little, um, 
like it's been sitting around for a while and to be able to do that with paint um I don't know I I don't really know uh like a clear way to describe how to do it but um like I've been experimenting with glazing a little bit and kind of not really glazing very um um for like a specific reason but just glazing over something to make it look dirty make it look old and then and then working on top of that like I don't do that on all of them but experimenting with that has opened up some possibilities because I learned I learned like I was never really into glazing before and um all of a sudden doing that it's like okay wow this opens up some new possibilities yeah. I could start glazing over this light section on this mm -hmm. painting and let it sit a couple days and then come back to it and then I get this effect mm -hmm. um but then the rest of the painting is left unglazed um so you can I don't know again it comes back to just being open to so many different ways mm -hmm. of painting um but yeah like my influences um it's hard like I I don't really think of individual artists anymore um I I um I mostly think about like my experience going to museums and just kind of that feeling you get when you're in there um feeling you get looking at paintings in general um I don't think about like a specific artist in that museum how did they get that look and how can I uh, emulate that um now it's more just uh painting very intuitively and not trying not to overthink things because uh, if I come in here and I, I have all these ideas and these um kind of like lay out these plans for these paintings yeah. it gets it gets really overwhelming and it starts to become less fun yes. um if I can come in here and just start throwing paint around and um just kind of be really almost careless it's like borderline careless but there's a little bit of um or there's a lot of like uh, experience that has led up to mm. throwing that paint around in a way that it ends up turning into something Absolutely. when I just kind of turn my mind off um and yeah. just let like, the muscle memory do the work um and that's I feel like when when the best uh painting happens yeah you're sort of in that flow state that's yeah. not overthinking it um and like you say there it's you know i like how you describe sort of just the, the feel of going to a museum a gallery where you're absorbing it like we were saying earlier about light and landscape and stuff you kind of absorb these things and even though we're not consciously thinking of it when we're painting in this linear way this is what i want to create it's nonetheless there sort of in the back of our minds as we're, we're experimenting and creating. Um, and it's fascinating you saying about experimenting with glazing because um, it's something I sometimes experiment with, but because I tended to work a la prima and quite in pasto, you know, I thought, well, you, you can't then go and glaze over the top. But I saw an artist that was doing it and sort of putting the glaze on and then really kind of rubbing it into the surface. So you don't have that real danger of cracking. And the effects of it are absolutely amazing. And then, again, it's just those experiments that you, you try out and that sort of incorporates into your practice. And it's a fascinating thing, paint. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really think about um, long-term, like I don't do, do like dumb, dumb things with the paint yeah. that I know will have um, bad effects in, I don't know, 50 years or hundred years or whatever, mm. 200 years. But like, um, I don't overthink that stuff. Like if, if I want to try something and it, it may or may not um, shorten the life of the painting, I'll, I'll mm. go for it. Um, I don't know. I, um, I don't know. I feel like the materials we use now are so good compared to what has been used, um, in the hundreds of years in the past. Like they're, they're so good. What we do now is, um, it's just, it's gonna, um, like the quality is gonna, um, hold up a substantial amount of time. I feel like, um, like we can we can do things now with the paints that has never really been done um, before or has been done in the past, but hasn't worked out as well because of the quality that they had back in the day. And um, so I I just I'm very uh, confident in the um, in the materials and thinking, OK, I'm going to I'm going to try this. It may or may not be frowned upon, but I'm going to do this and I mean, it'll last um a lifetime and um for whoever ends up buying it it'll last their lifetime and I don't know I I just I can't it's too much there's I, I don't know I I can only think about so much when I'm painting and if I'm thinking gotcha. about two two three four generations from now how are they how is this painting <laughs> going to look to them like I can't yeah. be bothered with no. that no, doing a lot of um air painting and I've been trying to make use of the weather because we've been having quite fortunate weather over here so I, a lot of that I've been trying to break through to this point of like you were saying with natural light and trying to actually have an understanding of how how to go quite tertiary with all of the colors because if it's too vibrant uh, what you're using it's not really going to reflect the reality that you're you're really captured by and I found that leaving till the very last certain cutting in colors that are really going to make it pop and then shape other things that are left quite splodgy and abstract has really shaped things well and rescued them in that last stage is there anything from your experience of doing a lot of plein air painting where you think this is really something which comes out of it as far as uh you know this earned knowledge of being out there in the field doing this work um yeah, like to me, I feel like the biggest thing um, with plain air painting is not getting too attached to the paintings you're doing out there because you have so many, um, you have so much reflected light affecting your painting. You have bugs, wind, um, all this stuff kind of bothering you um, while you're out there. Yeah. But the the fact that you're looking at the scene and making decisions, noticing things and looking at your canvas and kind of making a lot of comparisons I feel like that does more in your mind and um to your with your eye um building up kind of that little um library of information um that is the biggest thing you can take away from plein air painting as opposed to having hundreds of these plein air paintings that you uh look back at and think of that as your library of mm -hmm so many years of work out in the field 
it's it's best to think about that work um as um affecting your your um your eye and how you see things and how you're um able to um um I don't know how, how you're able to compose and things like that. I don't know. I, I think um, that has at least been the case um, with me. When I, when I first started, I went to California um, for a while and painted um, every day. I did, I was doing like three, three paintings outside every day. And oh, so I was there for six months and I did that every day. And oh, oh, um, at the end of that, every single painting, I don't know, there was maybe five in there that were decent, but every, there's hundreds of paintings in there and they were all just so bad. Um, but like having that experience out there and being able to get those hundreds of bad paintings out of the way, um, I, I tell the story to anyone when I, when I get the chance, like it's just so important to just, um, to just, get those bad paintings get them out of the way and, and then in your mind you're able to move on mm. um and slowly get better and better but you just have to commit to doing these um these bad paintings for years yeah. really um so and i think it also helped with me i was in a new place and i was doing these bad paintings i was trying really hard but I was so new to painting and they were, they just ended up bad. Um, so at the end of that, I moved back to New York, um, where, where I grew up and where my family is and everything. And, um, so coming back here, I was like, okay, it's the start of a new chapter. I got those 300 bad paintings out of the way. Now I'm going to start fresh and try again. And from that minute, um, the, the work, was substantially better it was still pretty bad but i i felt like i um i like progressed to the next level in a way um mm. yeah i think it's yeah, each time i feel like i'm making more informed choices every time i go out because of a previous time where i struggled and you just subconsciously record that and you know that it's at the back of your mind thinking that i didn't achieve that and i couldn't reach that at that point so next time you push a little bit harder um mm -hmm. but i'm wondering as well do you is that but going from california to uh, new york have you did you change your palette or do you have a specific set palette that you use to paint um well back then i was so new to it i i probably had 10 12 colors on my palette in california um because i thought that's what had to be done <clears throat> i was doing um little watercolor paintings but then I also had white gouache in there um so I would do those like really quick I do a, I had sketchbooks that I would um just I would I would do a bunch of those every day and then and then I also was doing little tiny oil paintings um out there um on location out on the streets and um but yeah I had way too many colors on my palette most of them were just unnecessary um and then coming back here I think I still had too many colors um out it wasn't until um probably a couple years later where I was just like okay it's just not necessary I'm just gonna have uh, a deep blue a really warm medium red and then a really 
uh, saturated, warm, deep yellow and white. Um, and I really haven't gone back, ha have not gone back since that, um, those three colors um, or four colors, three in white or whatever, um, are really all you need. Every once in a while, I'll bring in black or I'll, I don't know, I'll squeeze out a different blue or a purple just for, um, just to see what'll happen. But mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't suggest doing that in those first couple of years of painting um, until you kind of develop a, a strong natural color sense because it just yeah. kind of um, confuses you. Mm -hmm. I, I would have been much better off starting out just using blue, red, yellow, and white because um, you, you learn about gray, which is very exactly. important. You learn about that very quick because you have to mix everything from those. You think, okay, I, I can mix blue and red. I can mix um, blue and yellow, yellow and red, yellow and yellow and blue. Um, you, you've only got so many options and then you just learn to make those subtle uh, ratio changes. And you find out about, you know, I mean, I tend to, and when I teach as well, just three colors um, plus white. Um, and you find your limitations quite quickly or the more you learn how to do it. So um, certain sea greens or turquoises, example you realize that ultramarine blue and a bit of cadmium yellow isn't gonna get you there maybe you need some cerulean or some phyllo blue or something like that but at least if you're starting with that very basic primary limited palette you get to know the, the sort of the, the limitations of these things and um like you i started out i remember going to the art store and seeing these old Holland paints and just being fascinated by every colour and thinking, I've got to buy every colour, but it's going to take me a long time to buy one. And just having this obscene amount of colours on my palette and some of them not even being touched at all, but then just going back to that basic um, three colours plus white um, and then sort of learning and then trying uh, different combinations of that so rather than ultramarine blue cadmium yellow and say quinacridone magenta and swap it for maybe like a paints gray a yellow ochre and a burnt sienna and just constantly switching around those three primary colors and just seeing what you could get it's it's a great way to learn mm -hmm. being limiting yourself like that I think the colour knowledge just expands exponentially once you get the hang of it. You kind of know how to cool things down, you know, how to get those greys, how to work with the complementaries. Yeah. That and the opacity box at the back of the painting is one which I think uh, is always something which I seem to overlook. And then when I paint, I think, this is now, you know, it's just see through. I just need to do so many layers and always yeah. have to mix it with others to strengthen it. But what, what is it that you, I mean, do you mind me asking the specifics as far as a deep blue? Is it ultramarine or is it, you know, Prussian blue? Um, I, it's either one or the other, Prussian blue or ultramarine. Um, I got Prussian blue right here. Mm. 
Um, I love this one because it's pretty saturated. Um, you can get some pretty intense blues with it, but it's also very dark. Um, so I don't really need black. No. Really, when I have this, um, I can I can mix this with red and get a warm enough dark um, for my for my taste at least where um, it appears to be dark enough and the values seem good enough. Um, so I, I love that about it. Um, but I, every once in a while, I will use ultramarine blue instead and do the same thing. It, it ends up being slightly lighter. The darkest darks tend to be uh, slightly lighter, but um, depending on the painting, that usually doesn't bother me too much, but but uh, it is a little less saturated. So you can't, um, like for example, in the sky, if you if, I, if I'm mixing a sky and I'm using ultramarine, as opposed to Prussian, I typically can't um, get as like a, like a deep, um, I don't know, I guess that's the right word, like a deep saturated blue sky. I don't really go super blue ever, but um, I, I feel like I just can get more of an accurate sky color with Prussian blue. Um, so that's kind of been my, my blue of choice. And then, um, see here i say i use these three colors but i've got like a giant pile of random <laughs> colors here i i don't know i've been doing like we were talking about the abstract stuff so i i'll like squeeze out a random color just to see what happens no. uh, so naphthol red is a good um yeah. okay. red i i thought it was naphthol red deep or medium but i guess i've just been using naphthol red which seems to be deep enough with with red i say deep because i want it um dark and saturated otherwise i can't get those um those like nice warm um blacks basically yeah and what's then, the opacity uh, like on that turn? is that is it is it opaque like a cadmium but not for um, just somewhere a little bit semi-opaque um let's see what it says it um it says semi-transparent um i don't know for me i'm not super into the the um like the specifics with paints if it if it, if it works it works nice. if it doesn't, i, I kind of i'll just lay it on thicker if it's not doing what i want <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah i don't think like there's definitely um like it's, it doesn't have the, like the body and the, um, the opacity that, um, some other reds do, but, um, like I'll, I'll buy, I, I buy like, um, like five to 10 tubes at a time. And once I go through it, I'll, I'll try like another slightly different, um, brand. Like right now I'm, I'm on these 1980s by gambling, but I might switch over to, um, I don't know, like the actual, like the higher the higher end like there is a slight difference but usually to me there's not enough of a difference to um, eliminate one or the other um i don't know i i just kind of lay the paint on um differently if the if the if it's not reacting the way i want it to um and, and it then, does it it does the job it does the job yeah, yeah. if it's not doing the job it's rare that a paint usually it isn't um but if it's not then i'll just um 
go over to my pile of paint and grab the right one and correct them correct the issue or uh, even better um i i'll notice what it's doing and i'll just adapt to that and maybe the painting ends up being slightly higher key or maybe it, it ends up looking a little chalky um which um that word kind of gets tossed around sometimes and it's kind of yeah. a negative word but um i don't know for high key stuff or in the right painting if you if you adapt the whole painting to a certain absolutely absolutely um, look or feel it can work mm -hmm. fine um, so so if you use things well, what one's that? So that's uh, hands a yellow medium. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, nice and fresh. Yeah. So that one again, it's like like I have a lot of saturation to work with. Um, yes. Yeah. It's, that's great. Actually, it doesn't even look too saturated there, but it's it's a yeah. it's a saturated. I don't know. I'd say it's just a very medium saturated yellow. It's not too light. It's process yellow type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very very clean as well. Mm. You know, yeah. in your mixes, you're going to get clean mixes. So, quick one, um, just very quickly. So, I've got to go in about five minutes. Yeah. Um, okay. But um, Tad, are you using uh, palette knives mainly or combination? Uh, definitely a combination. Um, yeah. I'm using the palette knives a lot. Um, I'd probably say seventy five percent of the time. But then, yeah. I've I kind of whatever I feel like getting, uh, like I've got a bunch of random. So like this, this one's, a, um, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a bristle brush. This is a synthetic. It's got like a square squared off. And this one's more of a flat and that one's, um, a synthetic. So I, I kind of buy what's on sale. Um, I yeah. buy what, um, I got a bunch of these like little liners that I get. Um, so like brushes to me, like I can, I can kind of just make do with whatever, yeah. um, yeah. I have and like, I, I can get an edge, a really sharp edge if I need to, uh, with the palette knife. So I can kind of have some, some messy brushes that haven't yeah. been cleaned in three months and mm. do the rest of the palette knives. And I use the squeegee things too. Yeah. Um, it's cat what those catalyst wedge things. Yeah, got yeah, rollers exactly. well. wow. yeah, I use the rollers a little bit, not so much lately, but I've got it here just in case. Um, yeah, no, I got some fan brushes. Um, yeah, so with your palette knives, um, I paint with palette knife predominantly. Um, are you using uh, just one um because i tend to i like the same shape it's like a sort of a teardrop shape and i find yeah that it's I, um, I have a few um that i kind of go yeah yes, yes. this one is it's pretty small i don't know if you can see yeah, that. yeah. And then yeah. that one's a little bit bigger and rounded off and then this this is the other one that I typically use. It's yeah. my biggest one. Um, this one I don't use too much anymore. It kind of got a little bent, the tip of it. So mm -hmm. I kind of swapped that one for mm -hmm. this one. And um, these two were passed down to me from, um, I think, my, my grandpa, great-grandpa. Um, oh, wow. I, they've just kind of been what I what I have. So I've, I've just yeah. kind of adapted to using them. And then this mm -hmm. one I bought um i don't know six months ago it's just a cheap one from 
it might even be like the the blick brand yes um, yeah it, it works enough and it's cheap where if i snap it i'll just get another one i don't have to worry yeah. too much about it fantastic yeah i find it interesting with with palette knives as well but um i've got used to is it rgm one like a teardrop shape i can't remember the number but i've got about 10 15 of the same mm -hmm. one around um, yeah but they used to make them in italy and then they moved to manufacture to china and the handle was just slightly up a little bit and it took me ages to adapt to using it again even though it's the same shape it was because i've just got so used to having it at a certain angle do you find <laughs> yeah. with your palette knives with your tools there you know like you were saying you've got those inherited ones that they're your trusty ones that you can do most with those uh, yeah, like you definitely um, become really um, used to whatever you have. Um, yeah. So I've been using those for years now. And um, I just, I've used them so much. I know exactly, I don't have to think about them. I just, I know what, what's going to happen when I'm using it. And um, so it's going to be a bummer when one breaks or, or I lose one or something. Yeah. Um, but it's just just what happens it might even be best that um i break one or lose one because i might get something that ends up changing my whole yeah. approach yeah you have to adapt yep okay i'd just like to say thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast yeah. i do like to ask at the end what social media would you like the viewers to go and look at to support you and to see your work um yeah yeah thank you so much for having me it's been fun talking um yeah, my the best social media is probably my Instagram. Um, and it's just my name, T A D R E T Z, Tad Rats. And then cool. should we I'll leave links in the description for your link tree as well. Do you have any exhibitions coming up that you'd uh because you've just done a couple of exhibitions, haven't you? You just done one yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just went to California. I had a show or it wasn't a solo show. It was a group show, um, at a new gallery in, um, um, I'm forgetting the town, but just outside of LA, um, at a gallery called, uh, the Baldwin Avenue gallery. And it was curated by William Ray, really awesome abstract painter. Um, so I had a couple paintings in that. And it's still up for a couple more weeks. And then uh, coming up, opening uh, in about a week and a half, I think, is a show, solo show in Maine at uh, my gallery, my first gallery, actually, that I joined. Uh, it's Camden, Fa Camden Falls Gallery in Camden, Maine. Um, I've got, I don't know. 12 to 15 new paintings that I just shipped. I thought I was going to drive them up there, but I, I ended up shipping them. <laughs> Save some time. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank yeah, you well, so best much. Of luck. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Great yeah, to meet great. you too. Great talking yeah, to you. Yeah, great to meet you guys. You.